Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, June 29th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. I am honored to be joined by FSWA Hall of Famer, my man, the King, Scott Angle. Hey, Scotty, how you doing this fine Friday morning as the rooster crows and we slide into the weekend? How you doing, Scotty? Feeling good, feeling good, uh, you know, getting ready for football, baseball, you know, we're cruising along. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. I told you, these two sport athletes, you want to be Russell Wilson, go right ahead. I'm more on the Brian Jordan, Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson tip. We got to get everybody ready for fantasy yeah, football. Yeah, because I'll take a trophy. I guess. Wait, is he the yeah. other one? Nah, Deion won some trophies in football. Yeah, but he's a front runner. I guess he is. He's a he was like bag that. front runner. He was like that hired gun. Yeah. He was kind of like I would say he's the the football version of David Cohn. I would say David Cohn really was that hired gun. I remember for Toronto and for New York. Yeah, he was but it that was kind different with Dion. He guy. goes like, I want to go to whoever's on the verge of winning. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right, but I digress. Hey, Scott, biggest piece of news that came yesterday. We had spe- been speculating about it for a few days, but it did come down. It is official. Jameis Winston will miss the first three games of the NFL season, violating the personal conduct policy because of an incident with an Uber driver back in 2016. Scott, I know you are not huge on the schedule, but the <laughs> – the Bucks' first three games, they are at New Orleans, okay, in the New Orleans Saints home opener in that dome. Then they have back-to-back home games, Scott, but it's the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. I know you say teams kind of can change from year to year, but those are two teams that a lot of people think have the potential to go deep in the playoffs. This could get ugly for the Bucks real quick. I can see them going 0-3. I remember also... Uh, Scotty, when I saw the odds for the first coach to be fired, I kind of liked Dirk Cutter at like 12 to 1. I'm a little bit worried about the Bucks this year in a very competitive division. Everybody has said that the Bucks are this team that's all going to take a step forward. They're in a division where three of the four teams have former MVPs as their quarterback, and the other team is the Bucks with Jameis Winston, who proves that he may not be that dude to be a franchise quarterback. What do you think is the implication here for Winston owners, other owners of, you know, Mike Evans, O.J. Howe, people like that, and the Bucks in general? 
Well, when I talk about schedules, it's like nothing is absolute. I mean, some some things are obvious when you when you face the Steelers and the Eagles at home, even with Jameis Winston, it's it's going to be a tough go. I'm just saying when people do that comprehensive schedule analysis year to year, they base it too much on last year, and sure. people start looking at playoff schedules. It's like you can't look at a playoff schedule during draft day during based on last year because you really don't get all the trends uh, – together really until about week four, week five defensively. Sure. Things certainly change. But the more important thing here is Winston. And, you know, this guy goes from maybe like the 15th best quarterback now to somebody where uh, you have to basically draft him in the in the final rounds uh, as your second quarterback. Uh, erratic to begin with, off the field issues dating back to college. Yep. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Griffin are the backups. It would seem that Fitzpatrick, you know, is going to be the guy. And at least you have a veteran quarterback back there. The last time, you know, we saw him extensively with the Jets, though, he was not very good. And, you know, Mike Evans, he'll still know who his his guy is going to be. You know, he still does have uh, a pretty good crew of wide receivers. Uh, maybe this knocks down Evans slightly, maybe a few pegs in the overall ranks. I wasn't expecting anything from Deshaun Jackson. Obviously, when this team gets in the red zone or if they're playing from behind, if Fitzpatrick has to sling it a lot from they're playing from behind, you know, you'll still get touchdowns from Cameron Brait and maybe the ascension of O.J. Howard takes a little bit longer here. Okay. Let me ask you a couple of things here. Um with the Tampa Bay Bucks, You mentioned that Mike Evans might get dinged a couple of slots. I was actually thinking it could be the opposite. You mentioned Fitzpatrick when he was back with the Jets, right? And the last time I saw Fitzpatrick, you know, I am a Jets fan, so I was watching a lot of those games. Yesterday, Scott, remember how we talked about kind of the spread of wide receivers and even Mike Leone was saying how outside of those elite guys, there's kind of like the fantasy herds, if you will. Well, Fitzpatrick, he used to lock on to Brandon Marshall when he was with the Jets. He had no problem being one of those guys that would kind of like force feed his number one target. And if he applies that now, that could mean even more opportunity for Mike Evans. So I want to get your take on that. The other player on the Bucks that I think it could potentially be interesting for is O.J. Howard. You said the ascension for O.J. Howard could take a little bit longer. I wonder because last season it looked like Uh, Jameis Winston really had a preference for Cameron making America braid again. But in the couple of games that Fitzpatrick did start, it looked like he kind of favored O.J. Howard. So I wonder if O.J. Howard actually um, does get some love. What do you think about those two things about Mike Evans and O.J. Howard implications with Fitzpatrick? When you talk about. When you talk about Brandon, you know the Brandon Marshall connection. Yeah, I mean you're talking about three years ago, the final okay. year that Fitzpatrick played for the Jets. He was horrible. Uh, you know he was very, very bad in terms of his decision making, etc. Now Marshall was banged up that year too. Right. Uh, you know, so maybe you take that into consideration. But he does know who his best receiver is. I'm take. I'm not bumping him down. You know, ten, fifteen slots here. Okay. You know, I'm talking maybe three, four slots. Because Winston is just, you know, he's got a better arm than than Fitzpatrick. And at this point in your career, you don't know. The last few times we've seen Fitzpatrick play, it was very bad. So there's not a lot of reason for optimism there. So, but I'm not dinging him like 10, 15 slots either. Gotcha. So, you know, let's let's not get crazy. As far as O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, you really have to see Fitzpatrick. 
in the preseason and see maybe who he prefers throwing to here because it's hard to predict who he's actually going to connect with. O.J. Howard, it's also on O.J. Howard to show that he can take that step forward and right. and you know, become a better route runner and have a better grasp of the playbook this year because the talent is off the charts. So that had, remains to be seen. Okay, fair enough. You mentioned the preseason. Hey, Scotty, am I correct, though, that Winston still is eligible to play in the preseason? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the but I'm sure they're going to want to get Fitzpatrick. They'll get some Fitzpatrick kind of like first team. team reps, right? Yeah. He'll yeah. like so in the third game, it'll be Fitzpatrick playing the whole first half. Winston might get the, the Winston might get the snaps and the reps that like a third they, team quarterback. Or might they get just normally, might right? might leave some of the starters out there longer. You know, you know what's going to happen here, right? Because here's the thing, though. Um, one of the things I know about when they talk about you know, playing the quarterbacks right in uh, in preseason is you. You're not going to have your franchise quarterback out there with the second team offensive line, right? Because right. they don't want to get there. They, they don't, don't want to get their do franchise that, no. guy hurt. You know, so I think it'll be also very interesting to see if, if Winston gets any reps in preseason or if they want to kind of, you know, protect his health um, and how he gets ready even week four and beyond. Hey, Scotty, we're going to be talking about uh, the wide receivers a lot today, right? And I remember you talking about how you thought the top eight. You know, uh, like I remember seeing the top eight you had were very similar to the consensus and an ADP, and you said that that was kind of a clear tier. I want to ask you about one other guy who uh, my guy Jake Seely later on in the show says could belong in that tier as well, but it's conditional about a guy we heard more news on. So we've heard yesterday Andrew Luck says that he is still, you know, pain-free throwing the base, uh, throwing the football, that he's, you know, kind of in a good place. All, all things are indicating that uh, he's going to be back this year. My question is about T.Y. Hilton, Scotty. I mean, if, if, if I tell you right now that, yes, T.Y. Hilton, excuse me, that Andrew Luck, yes, does in fact play 16 games this year. I remember the last year that happened, T.Y. Hilton actually led the league in receiving yards. If I tell you that T, uh, Luck plays 16 games, could you see T.Y. Hilton um, – in that group, that top tier as well of your top kind of like eight? Do you think he makes it a top nine if Andrew Luck is healthy? <laughs> you make me sound like Jake Seeley right now. I thought we <laughs> talked about this yesterday. <laughs> we did. We talked about yeah. all the wide receivers. But then the yeah, news I... came out, you know, more Andrew Luck news came out. So I wonder if that makes you even more comfortable or confident about that. Uh, it doesn't really change my okay. outlook. I have him ranked at number fourteen because I want to believe, see it, I'll believe it when I I'll believe it when I see it. But right. you know, the guy's easy top eight, if not better. Uh, you know when uh, you know when Andrew Luck is healthy, and we're talking about healthy like healthy enough to play. You know how effective is he going to be? Because inside injuries, you know, lists his optimal return date as September twentieth. Really. That's yeah. interesting. You think so? Inside injuries thinks he needs more than two years. That he's still yeah. gonna kind of like come in in like week three or whatever it is. That's interesting. We got to get Doctor A on the line at some point as we move into football, Scotty. I think maybe we should get a regular uh, spot with Doctor A. You know, like Wednesday or Thursday when the injury reports come out. That could be very interesting. I'll definitely ask him about Andrew Luck. That uh, sounds interesting to me. But truth be told, if Luck is out there and effective, to your point, Scotty. I also – I like T.Y. Hilton. Don't forget, uh, these guys, they lost 
Um, they lost Dante Moncrief in the offseason. And Moncrief, you know how touchdowns are fluky, Scott? But Dante Moncrief and Andrew Luck had a real chemistry in the red zone. Moncrief yeah. kind of was like a red zone target for Andrew Luck. And that is now not there. So I'd be very interesting to see, like, is it a guy like Jack Doyle? Is it the newly acquired Eric Ebron who's going to play that second tight end role? Or do some of these, you know, or does that mean more touchdowns for a guy like T.Y. Hilton or even your rookie dynasty play, Scotty, Naheem Hines. I think that'll be interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, Moncrief and Luck did have some kind of special chemistry in terms of touchdowns, right? Yeah, but, you know, Garst, uh, I'm sorry, Hilton is not that kind of guy to really be like a red zone threat. That's which could true. Make, which could make, you know, Doyle, uh, you or know, Ebron. more of that, more of, or even, I was about to say it, uh, you know, but I'd say that, but Doyle is obviously the number one tight end there, and Ebron can get some chances too. And you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's why they acquired him as well. As well, but you know, things are going to have to take time to develop here. It's, it's, uh, you know, when you when you take a look at the Colts depth chart, I mean, Naheem Hines is not a guy. You're talking about somebody like he basically used Moncrief as a big red zone target, and right. you know, who's who's actually going to fill in for him there? Could it be Ryan Grant? You know, probably not. You know, they really Chester like Rogers. they they really like this kid Dion Kane, who they mm. they drafted later in the draft. Uh, but you know, it actually you know, it could become a thing of maybe they're running the ball right near where they're more near the stripe there, yeah. and you know, could it become Marlon Mack? Maybe if he Oops. learns to become more of an inside runner, then it's possible. You know, you're talking about Moncrief was six two two twenty. He he was a big target. You know, some of these other guys aren't big targets. And Jordan Wilkins, who's got some real sleeper potential and is a powerful inside runner. You know, maybe, you know, that's a guy that comes out of nowhere and scores six, seven touchdowns near the goal line. Because when you're in that green zone situation inside yep. the 10, you need a certain side of body type and skill set. Yeah, and, and, and the only other thing I'll say with that, I completely agree with you, so look for maybe some of the tight ends to soak this up. My money would be on Doyle or Ebron. But you know the other thing, and, and people may forget because we haven't seen him in so long, Scotty, Andrew Luck was one of those t quarterbacks that would run it down there as well. Andrew Luck, you know, had some rushing touchdowns in previous years. People don't necessarily think about him, but Andrew Luck was one of those quarterbacks that had more rushing yards than most, and he was one of those guys doing some, you know, quarterback sneaks from the two-yard line as well. Maybe there's a little bit of uh, hidden value in him in rushing touchdowns this year too. What do you think, Scotty? He's always had the mobility, but I think after everything that they've been through, it's helping. fair to speculate that, you know, do you want your quarterback doing stuff like that? Because, you know, it's just so incredibly physical, uh, you know, when you're right near the goal line stripe. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, everything converges in such a smaller space. And, you know, that could be, that could be, uh, perceived as maybe more of a risk. Now, we're talking about this from an outside perspective. I don't know how the coaches feel about that, but at least it's fair for us to speculate on that. Fair enough. And, you know, I hear you, Scott, and your point is well taken. But you know what? I've heard the same thing come out of Carolina for about four years, right, about wanting to protect Cam Newton, wanting to protect Cam Newton. But then when the chips are down and they actually need to play, you know, and if no one else could do it, 
Cam Newton is the guy who still does it. So I wonder when the chips are down and, you know, Andrew Luck has that, that bearded, fiery competitor. I wonder in, in the heat of the battle, in the heat of sports in the moment, what would actually happen. Scotty, well, you, you mentioned – You're talking oh, about two different types of players, though. It's, I'm you know, just saying you're talking, you're talking about – talking about, you're talking about health. No, but you're talking about Cam Newton, but that's a huge part of his game and where he's a dual threat. If you run Andrew Luck yet, Les, he's going to kill you with his arm. Uh, Cam Newton can't do that. If you take away that from Cam Newton, you know, you're going to see the danger of what happened to Robert Griffin III. You take away half the player that Cam Newton is, and you can't do that. Andrew Luck can compensate if he doesn't have to scramble. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely correct. I guess it was more... Scotty, I think it's more that just because, because we haven't seen Andrew Luck in a while, I just don't want potential fantasy owners to forget that he was actually a better uh, rushing threat and kind of produced for you, uh, you know, in terms – he would get three, 400 rushing yards, you know, so I just – I don't want uh, owners to forget that that is a part of Andrew Luck's game Cam as New- well. Cam Newton never missed a full season. This We've never been through this kind of weight with Cam Newton. This is absolutely true. So we will see. Scotty, you talked about uh, – we're going to talk a little bit about the wide receivers. And you talked about Mike Evans, you know, that you have him ranked as number 11. You may bump him down a little bit. Let's play a little bit of a – let's play a little uh, name game here. Let's see how far you would bump him down. You have Mike Evans as n- number 11 right now, okay? Given yeah. the change, right, now with Fitzpatrick uh, for the first three games at least, right? Uh, right under him, you have Tyreek Hill. Would you now take Hill over Evans? I have a hard time doing that. Okay. You have I, Stephon I, I, Diggs I just, under him. I, I just I, – I have a hard time doing that. It's – you know, Tyreek Hill has a lot of upside, but I, I just feel like, uh, you know, Mike Evans is has less to, to deal with in terms of right. sharing targets. I hear you. Stephon Diggs is below that. Would you take Diggs over Evans? I'm considering it. Okay, okay. Larry Fitzgerald under that. Would you take Fitzy over Evans? No, he doesn't score enough. No, I might not okay. end up bumping him down at all. Right, and the only other name, interesting to bring it all together that you have there, is T.Y. Hilton. With this news and kind of news trending that luck might be healthy, are you now taking T.Y. Hilton over Mike Evans? No, because the rank was, like I said, you know, okay. I just said this, you know, like Jake Seeley would say. I, I I just said this, you know, he, Luck still has to show that he can't be rusty. You know, we can't assume that he's going to be the same guy he was before the injury. Okay, so fair enough. So it sounds like, Scotty, you're actually not bumping Mike Evans down that much because, you know, you just said that I, too. I guess I'm so not. So it, it sounds like you're not, you know, because yeah. like the next three, the next I was considering guys, it, but I actually hadn't actually sat down yeah. to do the exercise yet. Well, that's what, you know, that's what we do here on Roto. Yeah, that's what we're in doing. The morning. We, bring the, we bring the package to life. We bring the rankings to life. And it sounds, Scotty, like you're actually not bumping Mike Evans down too far. So that's good context for people that this, you know, may not have a huge impact on Mike Evans. He is still a back-end wide receiver one. Hey, Scotty, the Roto Edge, exclu- the Roto Experts 
exclusive edge fantasy football draft package is live. We spent some time yesterday talking about your wide receiver ranks at the top of the charts. And we did, you know, we just talked a little bit, Mike Evans and T.Y. Hilton and the like. I want to look a little bit further down because, listen, people, if you listen to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, you probably have heard the name Michael Thomas and Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. But leagues are won and lost a little bit further down on your roster. If you get that wide receiver three that is going to pop that no one thought about, that is going to be the reason that you win your league and win that cash. So let's look a little bit further down, Scotty, on your wide receiver ranks. There's a couple of guys that you are a little bit higher on than the consensus, and I want to get your take on why that might be. Okay? Sound good, Scotty? Yeah. All right, cool. So the first guy, listen, is the guy right up next on this list that I was asking you names about, Mike Evans. You have in your number 16, and I'm looking at PPR formats just so just so you know there, Scotty. Number 16, you have Steelers second-year wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. You are higher on him than the consensus and in ADP. You have him as a rock-solid wide receiver, too. Listen, Scotty, I like the talent of Juju Smith-Schuster. I just feel like I'm not going to wind up with many shares of him this year because I think he's going to be over drafted I think a lot of people love Juju and the other part of this for me is this even though he's the number two wide receiver for the Steelers he's still the number three option in the passing game don't forget about Le'Veon Bell who will probably also get you know 70 or 80 catches himself um I'm just worried that the hype train has gone too far on Juju. Why do you like him as number 16 in your rankings? Yeah, I don't agree with you. You're talking about a guy who was over 900 yards and seven touchdowns in his rookie season, and he's just going to get better. You know, defenses know that Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are the guys that they have to account for. And, you know, that's going to give Schuster a lot of one-on-ones downfield where he is just so dangerous. So I'm I'm expecting I'm expecting a a big year for him. You know, we we saw Jacksonville shut him down in the playoffs, but hey, you know, Jacksonville shut shut down a lot of guys last year. You know, we we saw that that big game against Detroit last year with 193 yards, mm-hmm. uh seven touchdowns is very very impressive for a rookie and it's 6-1-215. You know, he's going to get a lot of targets in the red zone. Okay, fair enough. You know, I just wonder how if I mean, listen, and I think the Steelers offense is one of the better ones in the NFL. To be quite honest, if the Steelers play their A game, I I, I can see them being the absolute best offense in the NFL. You know, when you got by consensus, the number one wide receiver and what many people believe is the first or second best running back in the NFL as well. The question is, does it have enough to support another guy like Juju Smith-Schuster? Many people, including the king, Scott Angle, think the answer is yes. Scotty, um, there are two wide receivers that you have much higher than kind of the consensus, and they are both San Francisco 49ers receivers. You like Pierre Garçon and Marquise Goodwin, it looks like to me. I mean, you have, where is it? Let's see, you have Garçon, number 26. So as a wide receiver three, that's a little bit higher kind of than the consensus. But then you have Marquise Goodwin as maybe a back-end wide receiver three or a flex play. You're much higher than, say, the consensus ranks on Marquise Goodwin. The fact that you're higher on Goodwin and on Garcon, tell me what that you know. Tell me about your overall views then on the 49ers offense and what that implications must mean for Jimmy Garoppolo in your ranks. Well, yeah, Garoppolo's top twelve to me, but 
I wouldn't go crazy. You know, Garcon, you know, is a guy that we've seen when he's healthy. He's incredibly dependable. This team lacks a real true number one wide receiver. So he's going to have to rely heavily on a lot of these guys. You know, Goodwin was a guy that really surprised me. I didn't like him last year at all. I, was I thought he was just a speed guy at first yeah, as I, well. Yeah, I, I, th- I was wrong about him. You know, I thought he was going to be another Devery Henderson, and I was right. I, I was wrong about the guy. He had almost a thousand yards, and this is probably the best quarterback that he's ever going to play with. I'm not look. I'm not incredibly high on Garoppolo. You know, he's not in my top ten. I think he has a lot to prove. I think people are making mistakes with their 49ers predictions mm-hmm. that they're basing it on a five-game surge at the end of last year. And the mistake that's often made is that people think that last year translates into momentum for this right. year. No, it doesn't. You know, defensive coordinators watch a lot of film during the offseason, and it's different. When you're, when you're the guy at the beginning of the season and everybody's prepared for you and there's a lot more pressure on, and this team has not played – Jimmy Garoppolo has not played extensively a lot with these guys. You know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. But overall, I still like Garcon and Goodwin. Yeah, and I think the point you made there is that there's no predominant number one wide receiver there, right? So both of these guys, to Mike Leone's point, right, on any given week, either one of these guys could really pop off and lead the 49ers in receiving. Remember, I think they're going to be a little bit of a fantasy herd that I say you got those two guys. Remember, you got McKinnon out of the backfield, and some people like George Kittle to ascend the second-year tight end as well. Scotty, one more guy. Well, we only got a minute left before break, so I'm going to hold off. I want to ask you about Manny Sanders, who's someone that you like a little bit more than the consensus as well. You know, I want to ask you about those Broncos wide receivers, um, their evolution with a guy like Case Keenum under center, what it means for them. And the Broncos doubled down, not only one, but two interesting rookie wide receivers, Cortland Sutton out of SMU, and also I believe Deshaun Hamilton out of Penn State they grabbed. So I want to ask you about the Denver uh, wide receiver room both this year and moving forward into the future. There's a couple wide receivers that Scott is less high on than the consensus as well. We'll talk about that. We'll get in some news and notes from baseball as well. We are off and running. Roto experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The King, Scott Engel, and the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. We'll be right back. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Welcome back. This is Roto Experts in the morning with the King Scott Angle, the spitting statistician Dane Martinez. But if it wasn't for the Bronx, this rap ish probably never would be going on. So tell me where you from. Uptown, baby. All right. So uh, it is Roto Experts in the morning here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I also got to tell you guys, listen, if you want to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game, tune into the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 8th and July 17th. We're going to be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge. It is your shot to call in and win 
for a chance to attend the Fall Classic in person. The number to play is 844-843-6879. The contest is sponsored by DKMS. And as you know, listen, here at the Fantasy Sports Network with DKMS, we have been joining them in the fight against blood cancer. In baseball, if you hit 300, you're an all-star. But if that's the rate at which you know patients can find a matching donor for them, that is just not going to cut it. So listen, you got to help out. Register, you swab your cheeks, and if you are a match, they will let you know you could really help someone struggling with this disease, not in the fantasy world, in the real world. Take it from my man, Chris Bavona, the manimal, down there in the fantasy pit of misery. Dilly dilly to him. He has done it already. You should as well go on over to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS to learn more. You could also learn more about winning two tickets to the World Series. Scotty, we were talking about some wide receivers that you were a little bit higher on or lower on. And I think the Denver Broncos wideouts are interesting. Listen, you have Demarius Thomas, number 21, about five, you know, four or five spots lower than the consensus. And you have Manny Sanders as wide receiver 30, about three or four or five spots higher than the consensus. Talk to me a little bit about why you think Manny Sanders kind of is, I don't know if he's like the wide receiver to own, but why are you up on Manny and down on DT as it relates to this uh, Broncos wide receiver room? Does it have anything to do with new quarterback Case Keenum? Not really. It's, okay. you know, it's, I think it's just coincidence that, uh, you know, that it worked out that way. I don't think I'm that much higher or lower than, than the consensus necessarily. I think most analysts are expecting a boost in the production with the arrival of Case Keenum. You're talking about, uh, you know, a guy two years, just two years ago, uh, who had over th- almost 1,100 receiving yards uh, in Demarius Thomas. So I'm expecting a boost back to maybe within that area although he really hasn't been a prime touchdown scorer since 2014. But, you know, Case Keem is maybe a guy that can boost him back, I'm thinking, to probably about seven touchdown receptions. Uh, I'm not gonna th- I don't think I'm going to expect 11 anymore. I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm going to see that. But, you know, I can't assume that at age 30 either that, you know, that his very best days are, are totally gone. You know, Demarius Thomas is still a guy who can – who could be uh, a real threat after the catch. So, uh, you know, I, I still like Demarius Thomas's a wide receiver two slash three. Emmanuel Sanders dealt with injuries last year and also quarterback issues. This is a guy two years ago that had over 1,000 yards, you know, and, and three years ago in 2015, 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. So, and, you know, he's 31. It's not like these guys are very old themselves. He's, he's a very old Either so these these two guys you know I think are both a thousand yards six touchdown seven touchdown receivers I just I like Thomas a little bit better. Okay, fair enough. You mentioned also their age. I was struck by the Denver Broncos drafting not one but two wide receivers this year who had some buzz around them. I mentioned it before we went to break: Cortland Sutton and uh, Deshaun Hamilton. Um, do you think there's any potential for either of these guys? I'm not to be fantasy relevant, but I'm talking about in dynasty leagues, Scott. Because listen, the Broncos for years have been trying to find out, you know, who that third kind of wide receiver can be. Remember Cody Latimer for a stretch? They that. had somebody else this year. You know, do you think either one of those guys can kind of become that third wide receiver for Denver? Yeah, that's obviously, you know, that's why they drafted him. They want to have more depth in the receiving game that they have had in the past. You know, they've never had a re- receiving tight end, never turned out to be Virgil Green. Right. I can't rem- I can't remember the last time they had a 
had a had a really viable pass catcher at tight end. What was it? Julius Shannon Thomas? Sharp? Yeah, Julius, Julius Thomas? Thomas. Yeah, I was going to go all the way back to Shannon Sharp. So thanks for reeling me in there a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you know, this is a team that needs more receiving depth in order to challenge defenses. They're revamping their running game. Yeah. Uh, looks like Royce Freeman, like you know, Freeman. could could be the guy. They, you want to? They want to have more balance on offense. Give uh, Keenum the opportunity to spread the ball around. Uh, Cortland Sutton, you know, maybe becomes uh, more viable if there's an injury because okay. you also want to have depth because of injuries too. Okay, so maybe more of a maybe more of a guy that could be getting a path with injuries, maybe in dynasty leagues, but not necessarily. We'll have to see if they can actually take the job and run with it and actually be productive uh, in redraft kind of leagues. Hey, Scotty, there's a couple of other wide receivers that you are a little bit lower on than consensus. The first guy I want to ask you about is Amari Cooper on the Raiders. Okay, you have him as number 25. I got to tell you something. I was railing against Amari Cooper all last year. Okay, all last year I was I was poo pooing Amari Cooper. I was you were the one. People, no, I, there was a lot of people. I no, think. I'm saying I I didn't hear too much anti Amari Cooper talk. Oh, really? Year. Oh, really? Yeah. I was definitely the one. I was definitely the one. He put it in my eye in a Thursday night football game against the Kansas City Ow. Chiefs. But I was listen. I was telling people that I thought Michael Crabtree was the better Raiders wide receiver. And then I think when there was a too much, too, a ton of drops and that stuff, I was down on Amari Cooper last year. It seems like you're down on him this year. I know we have talked about. Um, We've talked about like bringing in the veteran and the kind of other impact that they have on the team, you know, kind of in the locker room and stuff like that. Do you think Jordy Nelson can have some kind of impact like that on Amari Cooper, helping him just professionally or helping his development but, or, or not? I guess clearly not if you're down on, on Cooper. But tell me why you have him lower than the consensus, Scott. Well, that's great insight, you know, about why they would bring in Jordy Nelson because – it just doesn't seem like Mamari Cooper's grasping anything right. in terms of the finer points of the game and the fundamentals. People are rating him high on his talent, you know, and it can't just you can't rate guys just on talent because then you get in trouble. Uh, Jake says the talent wins out. The talent doesn't always win out. You know, I think I think Amari Cooper is proof of that. Right. And you know what? Sometimes in my ranks, you got to earn a higher spot. He hasn't earned it yet. Oh, I see. So he's he's still uh, fighting for the uh, attention he's, he's of the Kings at angle. He's he's Mister Inconsistency and, yeah. and Mister Overrated until uh, until, until further otherwise. notice. <laughs> I am not even thinking about Amari Cooper until maybe the fifth round. So I'm probably not going to have any shares of him. Yeah, I, I hear that. I'm not thinking about him either. I won't have him on any of my teams. Someone now look, in I could my be league. wrong. You're right. But I, here's I, the could, thing. I could be wrong on this. It's, this could be the breakthrough year, but I'm tired of hearing that. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Like, you're right, Scott. It could be, but what I'm pretty sure of is that someone else in my league is going to take the chance on Amari Cooper before I would. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to wind up with many shares of him. Let me ask you real quick, though, about this concept with the Jordy Nelson thing, right? To maybe help him. Um,. You know, the Raiders then go ahead and go and get Martavis Bryant as well. Another guy who, you know, some people believe has not fully realized the potential or the talent that he has. Do you think that Jordy Nelson was brought in strategically for, for both of these guys? I guess they acquired Bryant after they got Jordy Nelson. But still, do you think that the, the Raiders were like, huh, we can get some mercurial guys that still need to have some talent brought out of them because we have kind of a player coach in Jordy Nelson who's 
who's going to help teach him the ways. Do you think uh, th- there's benefits there for Cooper and Bryant? Uh, you know, it, it could help Bryant, but not if he's going to be suspended. Right. Uh, you know, we've, we've heard rumblings about that. Right. Uh, obviously, obviously, he was with a, a, a great professional in Antonio Brown, and that didn't rub off on him. So how can we be more optimistic that Jordy Nelson will? Right. Uh, you know, well, maybe they'll have a different relationship. We don't know. We're just speculating there. Uh, look, you know, the Raiders, fans of the franchise for a long time will always say, you know, we've always taken uh, everybody else's throwaways right. and, you know, turn them into good players. But I think that's an old narrative. There are three has-been franchises in the NFL that just don't deserve the hype anymore they get, and that's the Cowboys, the Raiders, and the 49ers. Those those teams are no longer cornerstones of the NFL, and they haven't been in a long time. Interesting take. You know, uh, I wonder what our guy, fantasy executive, would have to say about that. But, um, all right. Well, when it. you wait, wait, look, it's, it's the facts. You know, it's like I Jason Garrett has won one playoff game. Right, and it's against the Lions, so maybe it doesn't even count. And, the, the <laughs> and they Cowboys shouldn't have even won, won that one, to be quite honest. Yeah, the, the, the three play, they've won three playoff games since 1996. So, you know, they, 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 to me, they're not a glamour franchise anymore because they don't win. Now, hey, I do not disagree with you. One other guy, you know, you talk about how our guy. By the way, they're also they're also not America's team anymore. You know, that, well, that was when they television the, was different. They were, you know? they, yeah, they, they were in the nineties. America's team is the New England Patriots. America's yeah. team is the one that everybody talks about and everybody either outright loves and the rest of the country hates, and that's the Patriots. Yeah, I know. I have some experience with that, being a Yankees fan, uh, Scotty, so I know what you're talking about. You talk about how Jake Seeley says the talent always wins out, and the guy I want to ask you about next on these wide receiver rankings is someone who everyone was talking about their talent. Jake even made a comp of this guy to, I think, Terrell Owens, and he just never popped off last year. I'm talking about Corey Davis down in Tennessee. You have him ranked as wide receiver 42, Scott, a full 13 spots lower than the consensus. The consensus thinks he's a wide receiver three. You do not. Um, You just don't think he's going to break out this year? You think the ascension is going to take a little bit longer, like you mentioned with O.J. Howard? Or, because here's the argument on the other side, in my opinion, Scott, they're not exotic Smash Mouth anymore, right? If they're moving away from no. exotic Smash Mouth, maybe taking the training wheels off of Marcus Mariota, could that be more opportunity for a guy like Corey Davis? It could. But you know what, though? He's got to earn it. We didn't oh, see enough. Same as Amari last Cooper. He's got to earn it. it. It's not the same as Amari Cooper. Okay. Uh, you know, because Amari Cooper has not, has not done it, you know, with several chances. With Corey Davis, you give him a little bit of a pass because he was injured for a lot of last year. And then we really didn't see him at all last year enough when he was injured. You know, Rashard Matthews is still a guy there who's going to get a lot of targets. He, he, he God bless me. you, uh, Scott. I'm allergic to talking about Amari Cooper. But, uh, but look, you know, Corey Davis has every opportunity, but opportunity doesn't always lead to production. This guy is not – he's got all the talent, but I can't – Rate him highly based on talent. I think, I think I have him high enough as it is based on the talent. Okay, 
Fair enough. You can mute yourself and uh, you know sneeze a couple more times, Scotty, as I introduce this next. I could hit the mute. I couldn't. I could hit the mute button fast enough that time. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Because on yeah. tight, we're here on Roto Experts in the morning. On the we get a call from Cardano now. Oh, no. What is this? It's all in the air. We'll, we'll be all right. We'll be yeah. all right there. Listen, Sorry, one other wide receiver, <laughs> our, our fearless leader, Mike Cardano, wants to know why you're so low on Corey Davis, why you're so low on Amari Cooper. Another guy you're low on is uh, the guy who was in that wide receiver room with Amari Cooper last year. I'm talking about Michael Crabtree. Now, remember, he's now the number one, I guess the, the de facto number one with the Baltimore Ravens in that wide receiver room with, if you remember, they got Willie Sneed. I I think they got Smokey John Brown as well. A whole new wide receiver room in Baltimore. So, Scotty, he makes the move from the Raiders to the Ravens. He makes the move from Carr to Flacco. He makes the move from competing with for targets with Amari Cooper to competing for targets with Willie Sneed. Um, tell me which of these things are the reasons that you have him ranked a little bit lower than the consensus. You have him as number 34 overall, so a back-end wide receiver three. Other people have him, you know, kind of as a back-end wide receiver two or a high-end wide receiver three. Um, why do you hate Michael Crabtree? I don't hate. That's not a, <laughs> that's a strong word. I didn't put him out of my top 75, did I? Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, look. It's because of the quarterback situation. Joe right. Flacco, Flacco is not throw, you know, is throwing a all he can do at this point in his career is throw short passes between the hash marks. And then if you bring in Lamar Jackson, he has to prove that he can throw a high percentage pass. So I think I think the quarterback situation is a big concern there. Okay, so it's really a quarterback thing. Uh, does that then mean the same thing for guys like Willie Sneed, uh, for guys like John Brown? I don't even have really Sneed. I don't even have real Willie Seed ranked in my top 75. Oh, wow. Okay, so we don't yeah. – so Crabtree is the only Ravens wide receiver that you see could be any kind of viable for fantasy. Is that correct? Yeah, but John Brown just has too many health problems, and mm-hmm. he's playing with one quarterback that you know, can't throw a deep ball, and he's a deep yep. receiver. I hear you. Wait, doesn't, isn't Flacco kind of a – didn't he used to be kind of a throw-the-ball-down-the-field kind of guy, a, a long bomber? Used to be. Oh, so you're just saying, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Joe Flacco bet on himself and won that one time, but he really, in my opinion, he was never a top 10 quarterback. He had a good run of like three games in a playoff season, you know, and uh, listen, he is not. That's that's similar to Eli Manning, who did it twice, you know, neither is an elite quarterback, but both had terrific playoff runs. Absolutely, but like you said, Eli Manning did do it twice, and I do believe that overall, Eli um, has outperformed. Like the rest of it has outperformed, kind of Joe Flacco. Eli did have that. Yeah. I, he had one year where but he I, was I see, a top five quarterback. I, I see. I see parallels in the two of them, though. Sure, yeah, Eli, I, I don't disagree. Eli probably better, better career. Oh, well, Flacco in his prime was more consistent than Eli, but Eli had more bigger postseason moments. Right. Eli's peaks were higher, I do believe. To and me, they're kind of close when you compare them overall. Listen, and, and I agree with you, and I also would say both of these quarterbacks are now going to set their franchises back by being the starting quarterback longer than they should be on the tail end of their career. Let's talk, you know, I remember? Don't, I, don't know about, I don't know about that with Eli. I, really? I really don't. You know, I saw a really savvy film, break, film breakdown from Kurt Warner last year on the NFL Network. Well, he was breaking down that Eli could 
still make all the throws, but nobody was getting open and nobody is protecting him. They've really revamped things around Eli. They've they've improved the offensive line. Right. They've given him a strong running game. He's going to have Beckham back. So sure. I think he can still prove that he can be a respectable NFL quarterback. Interesting. Okay, let me peg you down on this a little bit more. You're absolutely right. They signed Nate Soldier in the offseason. They draft Will Hernandez, who they like. They still have a... Uh, you know, a turnstile at right tackle in Eric Flowers. You're absolutely right, though. They get Saquon Barkley as a weapon for him. They improve they get the rest the re- of the line, though. Sure. Like I said, yeah, Soldier, yeah. Hernandez, yeah. all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. They uh, they get Odell Beckham back healthy. They'll have Sterling Shepard for hopefully more of the year than they did last year. Um, these all sound like good things for Eli Manning. Right, but at the same time, Scotty, there were a couple of, I mean, in the last two years where he was making some pretty bad throws and some pretty bad interceptions. You're saying they're building around him, Scott, but you have Eli Manning ranked as your 24th quarterback. You have him behind Mitch Trubisky, behind Blake Bortles, for goodness sake. So so how much could they really be helping him out? Like, you don't expect too don't much production. Don't get... Don't get it confused here. I'm talking about as an NFL quarterback. I didn't say he was not a fantasy quarterback. Big, big, big fantasy numbers. I said he was going to show he can still be a respectable NFL quarterback. That doesn't mean you won't necessarily want him on your fantasy team. I think with everything surrounding him, and I talked in the past about quarterbacks who make their teammates better and quarterbacks mm-hmm. who need to be surrounded by more talent. Now that with the kind of ta- talent and the way they're revamping the offense around him, he's going to be in a position to succeed, not where he was in his prime when he got hot, he could carry a team right. or you know p- boost the team to a Super Bowl. He's going to be in a situation where he's going to be respectable enough to c- succeed and not hurt that team nearly as much as he has in the last few years. All right, fair enough. Sounds good. So we'll keep an eye on Eli Manning. We'll keep an eye on the development of that Giants offense. I'm going to tell you right now, if they don't get the offensive line figured out, it will be a moot point. But they did invest there. Remember, their second-round draft pick, Will Hernandez, is a guy that they really like. And they spent money on former New England Patriots tackle Nate Soldier, who will be playing left tackle for them. You add that to, like you said, listen – to dynamic weapons that people expect in Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. Remember, Evan Ingram also popped as, a, as the abnormal case of a rookie tight end last year. So maybe the Giants can, in fact, bounce back with their offense. We talked a little bit about their defense as well. Yesterday, me and Jake Seeley talking about, you know, connected to the Janoris Jenkins news, but we talked about how a, um, a running game can really help a defense. We looked at the case of the New Orleans Saints in years past. But, Scotty, we only got a couple of minutes left. I want to turn our attention real quick and close out this hour with a couple of baseball news and notes and talk because there were some moves yesterday that we want to talk about. First of all, the Boston Red Sox made a trade. They have acquired Steve Pierce from the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, it looks to me, Scotty, like the Red Sox are going to use Pierce maybe in a platoon with Mitch Moreland because Pierce does play well against um, left-handed pitching. So maybe he's in a platoon with Moreland. What do you think about the impact of this move? Because, you know, we've been talking about Moreland as a great, like how he's been filling in admirably uh, after they DFA'd Handler Ramirez. We even said that he could be viable as a corner infielder. Now with Steve Pierce, Pierce in there that may compromise some of his at-bats, correct? Yeah, but you still want Moreland. We've seen Moreland platoon in the past, and don't forget Mm. to go to Roto Experts. 
NFL.com this morning. In addition to our exclusive Edge fantasy football package being live, and you can enter radio checkout for a special discount. Uh, you know, we still have comprehensive baseball coverage, the injury roundup, and waiver wire ads from inside injuries. And with, with Steven Pierce, you know, this is a guy best who's going to be a corner infielder in a deep league. He doesn't give you too much in the way of counting numbers. Uh, he's streaky. He's very up and down. He's almost like a poor man's version of Moreland. So I'm not expecting too much here. All right, fair enough, but it is important to let the listeners know that now yeah. um, Steve Pierce with the Boston Red Sox and an interesting nugget. Now that he's uh, – when he suits up for Boston, he will be one of only a few players who have ever played for all five teams in the AL East. I remember look, a lot of time in Baltimore as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah and look, you know, I, I really liked him when he was in Rat too, you know, the 80s rock band. <laughs> okay, fair enough, Steve Pierce. We're oh, wait, that's, that's Steven Piercy. I'm that's sorry, a that's Steven Piercy. That's yeah. all good. Don't worry yeah. about it. Ain't round not. and round. You ever <laughs> heard that song? Go, Whatever no, comes to... around, goes around. I tell you why. No, I don't know. You that ever heard one. that? No, nah, right. I'm gonna have to take you to karaoke one night, something like that. Um, you have you, gotta... you have no you have no idea about what you just said. I, I think was, what goes I, around I comes around is a Justin Timberlake song, the by the way. Just saying. Really, I'm going to have yes. to ask my guy Nando DeFino about that uh, when I see yeah, I don't think Nando was on. in on any of those outings. All right, I'm going to I'm going to have to find out. Listen. Those are before those are before if, he joined us. Fair enough. If you're hearing us right now on Roto Experts in the morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network and you have video of the King Scott Angle doing karaoke or if you have pictures of him dressed as Kiss, please send it to me at Spittin' Speeds or call in at 844-843-6879. The I Fantasy Executive can also vouch the fantasy executive could also vouch for my dancing. All right. I'm going to have to ask him yeah. for sure. Yeah. Hey, Scotty, do we have an injury wrap-up as we head into the weekend? Some guys making their return this weekend. Some guys that got banged up that you want to keep an eye on. I know Carlos Correa hit the DL. Yeah, he's on the DL. Uh, uh, and uh, inside injuries on rotoexperts.com right now. It's saying optimal recovery time. Two weeks with back stiffness. Uh, Hugh Darvish's bullpen session on Thursday. Not good, according to Joe Madden. Uh, he's going to be reevaluated in Chicago. Mike Trout is expected to play the outfield tonight against Baltimore. He played nine straight games as a DH. DH. Shohei Otani uh, cleared to, re- to resume hitting and going to be re- reevaluated in three weeks. Christian Yelich day-to-day with lower back tightness. JT Real Muto is expected to return to the Marlins lineup. Uh, tonight against the Mets in Miami, but he was expected to return the last game, and he was scratched. Nick Senzel uh, underwent season-ending finger surgery, and uh, there's your roundup. All right, fair enough. You mentioned JT Real Muto maybe returning. That I was uh, thinking about going my man Jacob DeGrom against those Miami Marlins for Roto Clio later on in the show. I don't yeah, know that's, if Real Muto that's is going to change it for me. The, uh, well, I, I wouldn't base it on one hitter. You know, I know. I hear Garrett the, Cole, Trevor the Bauer, the, also going this week. Also going tonight. Too. Yeah, you're gonna take the Grom. You know, you take him with with Real Muto, and people have been talking the Marlins lineup all year with Real Muto in there. So yeah. that doesn't make a difference. You know, right, I think that's enough. maybe a little bit of over analysis there. But uh, you know, with the Grom, it's interesting. Mets uh, assistant, the Mets interim GM John Ritchie yesterday said, uh, you know, that the team has to listen to offers for everybody. 
So we'll see. Speaking of trade deadline stuff, um, reports coming out that the trade market is heating up, Scotty, for one Cole Hamels down there in Texas. The Rangers are not doing it. Hamels is pitching to a 3.6 ERA. I don't know if he's that kind of guy that I want as a Yankee fan. Like, I'm looking for someone that I could slot ahead of Masahiro Tanaka for a game two. I don't know if Hamels is that kind of guy, but he is someone who is likely going to be on the move, Scotty. How do you treat Cole Hamels if you're in an AL-only league and you own him? I think he's the kind of guy that ideally you may want to go into, you know, a, a postseason series maybe as your fourth starter. Right. Uh, stretching it maybe to third, I would say. But it, it talks about the market that's really out there. They're saying that Michael Michael Fulmer is off the market. So I, I think the media the, the media buzz about a Mets Yankee trade is only going to ratchet up as we get mm. closer to the trade deadline with the comments from the Mets front office. But it's going to take really a heavy ransom in, in order for the Yankees to make any sort of deal with the Mets. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. It seems like things that I'm hearing about, unfortunately, would have to include the names of my guys, the rookies of the year, in my opinion, Glaber Torres and or Miguel Andujar. Listen, if I can get it done with something like Frazier or Bird or, uh, you know, Chance Adams, something like that, that I was not going to give up. It's not going to happen. It's, I hear you. That you got gonna... to gotta give up something to get something. Yeah, Especially then when I don't you're know talking if I would about be... maybe, you know, maybe one of maybe arguably the best pitcher in the National League. Yeah, listen, I hear you. Yeah, happy weekend, Scotty. Starting next week, we'll have our finals yeah. of the face of baseball. Mike Trout against Jose Altuve. We'll see how that breaks king down. King out there. We got the king dancing, staying alive. I'm going to have to ask Corey Parsons about that. Jake Seeley joins the fun when we come back. Have a great weekend, Scott. Roto experts in the morning. Come on right back. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The hot tag has been made to Jake Seeley, the all-in kid. And Jake, based off of stuff that I saw on Twitter yesterday, you and I need to be bouncing here and there and everywhere after we drink that gummy juice. I also, Jake, from like, you know, 3 to 5 p.m. back in my youth, used to be keeping it locked to some of the same programming as you. So I, uh, you know, I smiled when I saw that yesterday. How you doing on a Friday, Jake? I'm doing good. I'm doing – it's Friday. It's always good. Yeah, TGIF. You know, and I was thinking about that, Jake. Well, that's, I'm going to ask you about that later. You know, you were talking about the, you know, the Darkwing Duck and the tailspin of the world. You know, it made me automatically think of TGIF also. You know, like the Family Matters, uh, Perfect Strangers, Just the Ten of Us, Full House kind of block, um, which was also something that was appointment TV for me back in my youth. Did you, uh, did you uh, involve yourself in that stuff, Jake? What was the one that you mixed in there? It was Full House, Family Matters, Step by Perfect Step. Stra- Perfect, tra- Perfect Strangers. Yeah. What Little Balky Bartakamos. Oh, yeah. the last one I put in there was, uh, was Just the Ten of Us. Oh, that, that was also in there. there. I mean, there was a rotation, Jake. At some point, they were in there because, I mean, they switched it around. At one point. No, that Jake wasn't rem- the Friday night. That wasn't the Friday night, though. No. I mean, Jake, at one point, I even think, like, Dinosaurs was in there, wasn't it? Like, not the mama. Wasn't that I in there, think- too, at one point? 
that, yeah. that might have got mixed in there, but that wasn't the that's not the fam- that's step not by the step family- was the original one, right? Family oh. Matters, step by step, Boy Meets per- World, and Perfect Strangers. No, Perfect Strangers wasn't the Friday night. Mm, that's what I'm saying. To, really? No, that wasn't part of TGIF. Trust, trust me, I just gave you the four. You keep you got you keep interrupting the TG the TGIF was Family Matters, yeah. uh, step by step, yeah. Boy Meets World, and uh, Full House. Those were the four. Those were right. the four. We'll have to check it. I think like they might have had a little bit of a revolving door, and like maybe three years in, another one got in there. Like maybe uh, well, maybe step by step got if, bounced. Like if, if and, you're, if you're you know, older than I think you are. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to check out on that. Hey, Bavona, do a little bit of research for us. Let us see if there was ever kind of an evolving lineup there. Because uh, the, the I know, but that's also th- there you, might have been. But that's what I'm saying. Is like that's the one. That like people remember, like that's the big one, and like hanging okay. with Mr. Cooper might have revolved in there. Hanging but... with Mr. Cooper, yeah, that was certainly in there as well. Um, the, the biggest one is like I said, it was the Full House, Family Matters, uh, Step by Step, and Boy Meets World. That was like that's right. the that, like if you talk about TGI, like people will think about those four. I I find it hard to believe that people will not believe in the island of Mepos and Balki Bartakamos. No, but, no, no. Uh... I'm not saying it didn't happen. I have no idea what Bavona just said. I think he said he liked it as well. There we oh, go. <laughs> I loved it too. The, the happy dance and all that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, the dance of joy, yeah. Right, but I think like, what I'm saying is I, th- I think that was earlier before it was like the real TJIF is what I'm saying. Interesting. I, I mean because uh, – and we shouldn't go I'm too looking. far down this I'm rabbit looking. hole. We shouldn't go no, too far down right this now. rabbit hole. But, okay. you know, hey, Jake, no, no, it's June I got news, the answer for you. So okay. you don't want to – but wasn't – hold on real quick. Wasn't it a spinoff because, like, he worked – where Carl Winslow worked or something in the Chicago Tribune, something like that. Uh, the music wasn't is like, great, though. It is. <laughs> it is, absolutely. Wasn't, like, either Carl Winslow or Harriet Winslow, like, working at, like, the Chicago Tribune where Cousin Larry worked or something like that? And, and that's why there was the been. spinoff? So, all right. <laughs> You're older than I think you are. So, uh, <laughs> the, so here's the, the original... The original run in 1988. Okay. Like that. I, I wasn't watching it back then. The and? original run started with Perfect Strangers. Full yeah, House. buddy. Yeah, buddy. You didn't, wait, you didn't even mention one of them, Mr. Belvedere. Oh, no. And just, <laughs> and, and just the 10 of us. And I was right with just the 10 of us. So my, so, per- so I was right well, with so just I'm the saying, But that was only the first two years. Family Matters okay. jumped in the second year, and then gotcha. it was Full House, Family Matters. But here's, the, here's where the thing happened, and this is where you're saying the rotation. Family Matters was full. Dinosaurs was spring. Perfect Dinosaurs. Strangers was was fall. Family Matters got moved to that spot in the spring, and then Going Places and Baby Talk Ooh. were in there. I don't remember. Oh, I, I don't know about Baby Talk. Camp Wilder was in there for a brief <laughs> run. But now then, we're getting a little bit crazy. But then you get to so I was I was actually kind of off. The step by step was in there when Sabrina the Teenage Witch was in there. And that was so. It's actually it's two different ones. Here's the here's the main run. This is the biggest run. This is the okay. this is the one I was talking about. It was Family Matters, Boy Meets World, Step by Step, and Hanging with Mr. Cooper. That was yeah. the that Hanging was the with Mr. Cooper main run. And then a few years later, you got Family Matters, Boy Meets World, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and Boy Meets World. And then Clueless was mixed in there a little bit. But again, the the biggest run was that the TGIF real biggest run was Family Matters, Boy Meets World, Step by Step, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. 
All right, fair enough. Now that you have your TGIF analysis broke it down. for the day, we can keep it moving on to football. Hey, Scotty, listen. I mean, not Scotty, Jake. Scotty. Listen, uh, I, listen I got, I'm, I got I'm one done. hour at a time. I'm trying to bounce Hold back. Hold on. Actually, you know what? Before we move on from this, I just want to mention What's up? What's a, up? Shout out, a shout out to Ryan Reynolds because this is actually where he got to start with two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Oh, really? Yeah, that's Okay, on interesting. I yeah. mean, a lot of people got their start. Think about it. Think about, like, Drake getting his start from, like, what was that show? Uh, Something High. You know, some old cartoon on Saturday morning as well. But I, I, I digress. Let's talk football here. Yeah. Um, listen, we've talked about it a lot, but I have an interest. I want to go about it a little bit differently uh, today. Listen, Jameis Winston, the suspension has been announced. He will miss the first three games. Those games are at New Orleans. And then when they welcome the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers to town, not an easy stretch of three games. We've been talking about it for a little while, Jake, in terms of uh, what the impact is on his number one target, Mike Evans. It's interesting. When I was with Scott last hour, he originally was like, yeah, I'm going to bump him down a couple of spots, right? Then we brought up the Kings rankings, his wide receiver rankings, right? And wherever he was, I think he had him number 11. Number 12 was Tyreek Hill for Scott, right? And I was like, so are you taking Tyreek Hill now over Evans? And he was like, "Ah, I don't think I am. I said, okay, behind that, for him, was uh, Stefan Diggs. I'm like, are you taking Stefan Diggs now ahead of him? He's like, nah, maybe not. And we did it again with one other wide receiver. I think it was like Larry Fitzgerald he had. And we got to the point where Scott actually reshaped his thinking and said, you know what? This Winston suspension actually has no impact for me on Mike Evans. Now, I know you've been saying some of the same things, Jake, in PPR formats at least. You have Mike Evans as your wide receiver 12. Right below him, you have T.Y. Hilton, Demarius Thomas, and Stephon Diggs. Are you now taking any of those guys ahead of Mike Evans because of the Winston suspension news? No. Like you said, I said the same thing. I I, I don't understand why people, not you, why everybody's like, I, why are we, it's, it's clear, like you said yesterday, it's June. We had Sammy Watkins a week ago moving all over the field, and then right. two days ago, it's breaking news. We just talked about it two weeks ago. It was already there. Why are we doing it again? We knew he was going to get suspended for three games. Like, it's that, like, the only difference would have been, like, he wasn't. He's, like, only one game, or he's going right. to appeal. No, it's still three games, so the news is still the same. It really hasn't changed. It's just become official. I'm not moving down Mike Evans. I'm not touching him. The only biggest impact that I said was O.J. Howard and, and uh, right. Cameron Brait because of when Fitzpatrick's on the field. But now they're talking about Fitzpatrick might not necessarily even be the starter for those first three weeks. I mean, I think he's going to be. Well, that's but, June buzz, right? <laughs> got yeah, Brian Griffin. Again, now we're doing the whole June nonsense again. So, but yeah, no, I'm not. I told you back then, and I haven't changed any thought process like Scott has. I'm sticking with what I had the entire time. Mike Evans is not moving for me just because Jameis Winston isn't playing the first three games. Fair enough. Let me zoom out and one more time. One more question for you on this as it relates to Jameis Winston. Maybe less fantasy and more for the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know how Jake, when they say if you get your like first round quarterback draft wrong it sets the franchise back for years um you know we talked about how you know i i believe it's a good bet you don't think it's a horrible bet the idea of dirk cutter being the first coach fired we talked about those odds i think he's at like 12 to 1 i actually think that that's decent value i mean we've mentioned this winston going into year four right the year after that was like wentz and goff and people are thinking that those guys are ascending the year after that people love deshaun watson i know a lot of people think mitchell trubisky could take that 
step with Matt Nagy as the new court, uh, as the new coach. This year, people are high on people like Darnold and Baker Mayfield and the potential of even someone like Lamar Jackson. When I look at that draft of the quarterbacks four years ago with Mariota and Winston, I mean, with Winston specifically, because some of the character concerns, how long do you wait if you are the Tampa Bay Bucks before you decide, like, Maybe Winston is not that dude to be our franchise quarterback. When they say it sets you back for years, like, how long do you wait on this? You know, because Jameis gives you kind of tantalizing flashes, right? You know the arm strength is there. You know, you know it's there. But it hasn't come out now necessarily in four years. How long do you wait before you start to think about him not being the answer for your franchise, Jake? Well, I think it depends. Every situation is going to be different and independent. I mean, it depends on, well, are you talking about somebody who sat for two years and then it's coming out? Or is it somebody who was somebody that right. wasn't ready? So well, I think if you look at Winston's situation independently, though, and that's what I would do, I would take every situation differently. I think uh, this might be his last the year. year. <laughs> and, yeah, well, just because you have the off-the-field issues, and mm-hmm. that's one thing. You have the fact that, if you look at his first two seasons, it wasn't really much of an improvement. I keep mentioning the fact that he was taking a step forward last year, and right. people don't seem to realize that. Again, if you take out his 11 fully healthy, 100% played games, and then you project it to 16 games, which is always dangerous to do in fantasy baseball or fantasy yeah. football, it's mm-hmm. still 11 games. 11 only projecting to 16. It's not like I'm trying to project 5 into 16. If you take those 11, he was on pace for 4,900 yards. He was, he was becoming a new quarterback. So, you know, I don't think that they should just pull the rug out from under him if he comes out and that's the kind of player he's playing like this year and they still miss the playoffs because he missed three games or they still don't have everything go right. But if he comes out and he's the st- he goes back to the barely throwing for 4,000 yards, throwing for 20 touchdowns and 15 interceptions – I think that that because you have the off the field issues, they're more likely to move on. I think that's the issue here. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about the off the field issues, but also, listen, Jake, remember last year in New Orleans coming off the sideline to smush like Marcus Lattimore, you know, talking about eating W's. I don't know that he's he's got that leadership maturity to lead grown men. Maybe he can lead college guys at Florida State, but that's kind of my concern. But it sounds like you agree the leash is getting shorter and shorter for Jameis Winston. Yeah, well, let's see. You know what? I don't even really understand that. If it was somebody else, if it was Understand Jimmy what? Garoppolo after go, like going 6-0 and and talking about eating W's, would everybody be upset about it? No. Fair, but what about him coming off the sidelines to like push, uh, was it Mike Evans? Oh, no, excuse me, uh, the yeah, member of the Saints. You know, that, that's not leadership. Fine, the eating the W's is fine, but you're not going to see many quarterbacks in the NFL come off the sidelines to instigate a fight. No, but at the same time, he's not the first. I guess I just I, it doesn't necessarily speak to maturity, and I'll leave it at that, Jake. Um, no, that, 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 that's fair. I, I'm, all I'm saying with it is just the fact that I think that it's one of those the winning and the losing and those things yeah. always cure all ails and magnify situations. Sure. I think that's just kind of what it is. It's just you know it's things haven't gone well yet, so it's amplified. 
I hear you. And winning, like you said, is an amazing deodorant. I also think it's very hard. Listen, you are in a division where every other starting quarterback in that division has won the MVP award, you know, so you got to really have some good quarterback play if you're going to make strides in that division. All right, Jake, as we move along in our team by team previews, we finished off that division, the NFC South yesterday. Today, we start a new one. We go out west. Go west, young man. We are going to the Bay Area. We are going to the Oakland Raiders. And the thing I want to ask you first, Jake, I want to ask you before we get into some of these specific guys, I want to ask you about your process. I've heard other kind of experts who are who make projections like yourself. Um, Am I right that what you do is you first look at the team and talk about. And, and, and kind of analyze, like we talk about the pie, right? And analyze, like, is the pie going to get bigger? Is the pie going to get smaller? And then after you make that determination, then you think about the slices of the pie. But am I right that your first step is looking at the production of this offense overall and what they project to do and then kind of splitting it up amongst the players? Or do you have a different process, Jake, when you make your projections? No, it's pretty much where you go. And that usually starts – it's not just the team. I mean, you can it's hard. You can't just sit down and just take the one piece by itself and move from there. You can't just say, right. like, all right, I expect this team to have 45 touchdowns this year and whatever. Like, because the fact is, is you, it's, it's always a working back and forth. It's, you're trying to find the levels all at the same time. It's, you're, kind of, you're kind of projecting everything together right. which it's why it's why projections are hard because the fact is is you can sit there and i you can start with the quarterback and travel down to the wide receivers okay that's pretty common and that's pretty much what you do for the most part you might tweak some of the wide receivers understanding what they bring to a team and then go back and adjust the quarterback right. a little bit for it which then of course affects the other wide receiver so that's why you're always kind of if you touch one thing you end up messing up three other things uh, the same time as with the running back. So, yeah, you can look at the team, but you also have to go back and then look at the skills of the players and then come back to the team. And then so you, you start with the team, but you're going to, that's, it's not just going to be team, player, result. You're going to do team, player, result, look at that, maybe change it, come back to the team, go back to the players, come back. And you usually go back and forth a couple times before you're really done with the projections. Okay, interesting. I think it's important to get a sense in, into the mind of the all-in kid process-wise as he does this. And I ask you about this because when, it, when I look at the uh, Oakland Raiders, Jake, I, I, I see them as one of the teams where I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the pie gets smaller, to be honest, this year. Um, I, I don't know. They bring in John Gruden, right? And I just don't know if he's ready for the 2018 NFL. You know what I mean? He's talking about I, like he's bringing out Doug Martin and Jordy Nelson. I'm worried that he's going to sign like Mike Allstott next, you know, and want to play with a fullback. I just don't know if he's ready for the evolution of this game. We've talked, you know, yesterday, Jake, when we were talking about the wide receiver and the zero wide receiver theory, we talked about how there's so many more spread offenses right now that more wide receivers are kind of in that middle tiers, you know, um, making kind of the elite wide receivers so much more important. Do you agree that there's a chance that the NFL has passed Gruden by? Well, of course. I mean, this hasn't coached in 10 years. Of course it's possible. <laughs> that's, that's not a question I think anybody really has. So the fact is you, you can't walk away from anything, doing anything, like any, any job, period, and come back and not ex- like have some concern that – you're not the same person. Like, I mean, you can look at, look at me. I graduated with marketing degree and uh-huh. I worked in marketing and I was actually the internet marketing manager for a company. I haven't done that 
10 years, actually, hmm. probably right around 10 years, as a matter of fact. And But, uh, you know, if I start applying for jobs tomorrow, right. there's that's, that's a significant amount of time to walk back in and be like, yeah, everything I used to do is exactly the same, and I haven't missed anything, or I don't need to relearn something. So, yeah, of course it's a concern. Yeah, well, I don't know, Jay, because I was a broadcast journalism major at Syracuse, and then I went into education for about 10 or 12 years, and here you hear me on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, so the spitting statistician trying to make it happen. Let me ask you something. Let's go to these running backs here, okay, Jake? Listen, Marshawn Lynch, Doug Martin, you know, last year, last year you had beast mode, right? He got banged up a little bit, and then you had these other guys, the DeAndre Washingtons, the Jalen Richards of the world, who I thought were kind of like the pass-catching backs at first for a little while, especially Richard. but I wonder how it's going to break out now that you have Doug Martin. I'm hearing reports, everything from Doug Martin has nothing left in the tank to that Doug Martin can push beast mode as the RB1 for that team. I think this is going to wind up being Marshawn Lynch, and I actually think there's sneaky value in Marshawn Lynch as a running back two, as a back-end running back two. And let me tell you why, Jake. I think touchdowns are becoming more and more important, especially as all these teams are committees and stuff like that. So you're going to have to try to identify the guy that's going to get the touchdowns. And at least you know in Oakland that that's Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch might only get you 900 yards rushing, but he's still probably going to be good for like eight touchdowns. And because of that touchdown stability, I can see Marshawn Lynch still being a viable back end to RB2. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I actually own a lot of Marshawn Lynch. And the biggest Mm. thing is what you're talking about here is look at the second half of last season with Marshawn Lynch. Talking about not doing something and coming back to your job. Dude spent (laughs) a year running around the world giving Skittles to, like, countries. Like, oh, look, this is a Skittle. Like, you don't know what these are. Like, it's a, you know, he wasn't playing football. He, like, comes back and has a little bit of a slow start. Understandably, you haven't been playing football in a year plus. And then if you look at the second half, though, he was a top 20, top 15 running back in the second Mm -hmm. half. He was back to almost what we used to know from Marshawn Lynch. And is he ever going to be what he was with the Seahawks again? Absolutely not. I don't even care the fact that the Oakland Raiders have a better offensive line than the Seahawks do right now and probably better than the Seahawks had when he left. Ever. Uh, (laughs) Right, yeah. But the fact is, at his age, it was 32 now, and all the work, you know, that's a concern. So, can he settle to that 15 to 18 and be Marshawn Lynch in that 15 to 18 carry range? Absolutely. And that's why I, I'm with you. I actually have him just on the fringe of a low end RB2. And in the draft wise, he's going to like fifth or sixth round. Yeah, right. I, I, I own him pretty much, I'd say about 80% of my leagues right now. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. He's going to be, you know, do I love him? No. But do I expect to wind up with a few shares of him? Yes. Why? Because I am higher on him than I know other people are. They think he's at the end of his rope. You mentioned the fact that, you know, he's missed some time away from football. So maybe he has less tread, or more tread on the tires than some other backs his age. But you always got to worry about that violent running style. Um, Jake, also, do you think that Lynch is basically – all in just this year, like this will be his last year because the team is going to move to Vegas next year, you know, and he's obviously the Bay Area kid. So I got to feel like he's going to empty the tank on this year. You combine that with the coach, John Gruden, who I think may want to ride him a little bit. I can see them almost like a team with a guy at the last year of their contract that they know they're not going to resign. You know, can't they kind of like chew him up and spit him out this year? And I think that could be good for fantasy owners because I can see him getting 225 carries this year. 
Eh, maybe. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to really care that much, especially when it comes to fantasy one way or the other. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. It wouldn't be surprised if he hung around for one more year after this. I, if you ask me to go past two years, I don't think he's at that point. But I, I, I don't know. I don't really know that he's thinking about that right now. I don't think he thinks past this week, let alone the next year. five minutes, his neck bag of Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But, you know, I, I do know that part of the reason he wanted to come back for the Raiders was because, remember, like two years ago, the Raiders, everyone thought with the Darlings that they were on the ascension to really kind of be that team that might be able to knock off the Patriots. Uh, and then, you know, and then Carr breaks his leg. But, um, you know, I know he came back to the Raiders because he wanted to, like, do it for his hometown, you know, in the Bay Area. So I wonder if he sticks around when they move to Vegas next year. Let me ask you about Derek Carr, uh, Jake. You know, and that's the thing. Derek Carr was kind of on the ascent. He was one of these young quarterbacks that everybody was into about two years ago. Remember, they were they were threatening to be the one seed in the AFC playoffs that year. And then I think it was like week, I don't know, week 12 maybe, where he broke his leg. You know, Donald Penn, who was the left tackle of that team, who was a Pro Bowl left tackle of that team. You know, Jake, that that was the only pressure or excuse me the only sack that Donald Penn gave up all season that year and it was in fact the sack that broke Derek Carr's leg last year he comes back but he's not kind of uh perceived as the same quarterback and now he's kind of fallen out altogether I haven't heard Derek Carr's name in a while when you talk even about like you know high-end QB2s that we like not a reason to wait on quarterback do you expect uh a positive effect from John Gruden on Derek Carr. I've seen, uh, I've seen the old Gruden quarterback camp when Carr was kind of a rookie coming in, and you could tell that Gruden loved Carr's tools. Do you think that Gruden could be uh, a help or a boon to uh, Carr's fantasy value and uh, you know performance as an NFL quarterback? As an NFL quarterback, sure, but I'm not expecting much for fantasy value because he can help him, but also not do much where I care about him for fantasy because the fact is Derek Carr, and I'll continue to say so, if I was starting a team probably in the top 10, if I was starting really? with a quarterback tomorrow. The fact is, if I'm talking about fantasy, though, I don't want him in fantasy. I never have, and I keep saying that. There's, you can have a quarterback that you want in real life, but you don't yep. want in fantasy. Alex Smith was that way for the longest time. Sure. Alex Smith was, hey, I'll, yeah, I can lead a team to the playoffs. I can get this team wins. Whether or not he wins a championship was a whole other issue. But, you know, mm-hmm. We could have that debate for another day for real football, but it wasn't uh, somebody you wanted in fantasy. You can, you can have the one thing and not the other. And the problem with Derek Carr is he's not a very good fantasy quarterback. He's not a 4,000-plus high yards. He's barely chipping in onto the 4,000. Didn't even get there, and I know he's been hurt. But he's not somebody who's throwing for 30 touchdowns, let alone even getting to the high 20s regularly. He's just not that fantasy quarterback. And then he doesn't add rushing. So what's there to like about him when it comes to fantasy? I'm seriously asking. There's nothing there. So John Gruden can make him a better quarterback. Maybe he gets him into the 4,200 range, and he throws for 28 touchdowns, and that's all well and good. But in today's fantasy, that's a QB2. That's somebody that you're using for your bye weeks. That's somebody you go pick up if, if your main quarterback got hurt. I mean, honestly, you go back to, and I'm just using this as a comparison, Eli Manning's two high seasons were 4,400 yards, 4,400 yards, 33 touchdowns, and 30 touchdowns. And that was Eli Manning. And right. we've seen Eli Manning. It, Derek Carr hasn't even gotten to that yet. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I think it's important to note, and we say this in a lot of cases, Jake, 
Um, what's good for the real life team is often not good for your fantasy team and vice versa. You know, you talk about Derek Carr could be a good NFL quarterback and not good for fantasy. The inverse is also true. I mean, there was there was a portion of time last year where like Josh McCown was QB seven. You know what I mean? There were times where you liked Blake Bortles as a quarterback because of all the garbage time production you were getting and no one would want him necessarily those guys necessarily as their stud, you know, real life NFL quarterback. So it is, you know, it is a difference. Do you think, though, that it helps? Listen, this wide receiver room, and we'll touch on a little bit more when we come back after the break. But I mean, you know, Amari Cooper, who I, I've been down on for a little while. I know he struggles with drops. I'd like to get your take. But they bring in Martavis Bryant. They bring in also, I think, undernoted. They bring in Jordy Nelson. I don't like Jordy Nelson necessarily for his skill because, quite frankly, Jake, I don't think Jordy Nelson has much left. And what he did show, I think, was based largely on chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, back shoulder throws and the like. But I do think that Jordy Nelson, and we talked about this with Scott in the previous hour, I do think that Jordy Nelson may be able to, um, help that wide receiver room in terms of almost like player coach, you know, and maturity and professional route running and stuff like that. Because we wonder what's in between Amari Cooper's ears with the drops. We know the history with Martavis Bryant. What do you think, Jake, real quick before we go to break, what do you think about the impact of Jordy Nelson in this wide receiver room, maybe even outside of, uh, you know, straight production for himself? I'm not expecting much at all. Uh, the fact mm. is he fell off the cliff, and as I continue, like this is, I guess, my cliche joke of the offseason, hit, hit every rock on the way down. I mean, that's what happened <laughs> to Jordy Nelson. Like He looks like he's toast, and it's just the fact that even for those first four weeks, six touchdowns, that's great, never got over 70 yards. And those were all with Aaron Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers, great, there's only one game, but – I mean, they could even get on the same page at the end of the season. So I think Jordy Nelson's – it was fun, and he was amazing, and I loved him right. in fantasy, but I think his time is done. All right, so we think uh, Jordy Nelson may be a little bit of a fugazi, someone you should forget about. The uh, Oakland Raiders over-under for the season is eight and a half. I have a strong feeling on this one. I'll find out what Jake Seeley's feeling is on this one as well. But when we come back after the break, if you agree with us, you're going to have to go on over to mybookie.ag. You can, uh, you know, maybe even tease the line a little bit, but whatever you do, enter the promo code FANTASY, FNTS. And you'll get a 50% deposit bonus. Jake, I don't know if you saw, but Belgium and Croatia, my two teams, are the teams with the two best goal differential going into the knockout stage. Maybe we'll touch on that. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about TGIF as well. We got the all-in kid and the spitting statistician right here on Roto Experts in the Morning. Come on right back. It's the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game? Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. There you'll find a link to a free DFS baseball contest every day. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, and they're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. Find out how you can help and play in free DFS contests with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. That's DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. Welcome back. It is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, the all-in kid. 
and the Spittin' Statistician. We put the fun in functional sports radio. We give you everything from wide receiver rankings to the TGIF lineup. We do it all here as we put the fun in functional sports radio. Roto experts in the morning. Hey, Jake, we were talking about the Oakland Raiders. We were talking about kind of Jordy Nelson. And I agree with you. Jordy Nelson, I think, is washed up. I think he's done. My question is, do you think he has any positive impact on the other wide receivers on this team? Amari Cooper and Martavis Bryant. From a professionalism standpoint, from a from a drops standpoint, can, can the addition of Jordy Nelson in that locker room have any kind of, you know, un, uh, unintended ripple effects a la Carlos Beltran coming to the Astros, you know, a la, um, you know, Jake Arrieta helping Aaron Nola with the Phillies or something like that. Do you think he had, there's any kind of mentoring help for guys like Cooper or Bryant? There's sure that there's a possibility for it. Whether or not it happens is another question. But, yeah, I mean, there's not much you could – want better to have a veteran like him come in and when you have issues at the wide receiver position, the only problem is is how much do they want him to do that or actually expect him to be productive on the field because that's the problem. Like, to go to the Roto Experts exclusive edge package, I'll give you this bold prediction. My bold prediction for the Raiders was that Martavis Bryant outproduces Jordy Nelson. And that, that was the, because I really think he's washed. And if you look at yeah. it, they're talking about if he is, which we are saying he is, they're going to move him into the slot, which is what happens towards the end of the careers for people like him. And that's where Larry Fitzgerald has been for the last four right. seasons. So you look at it, and they're great that they're different wide receivers, but you're doing that to take advantage of somebody who's lost a step because it's easier to gain separation or already have built-in separation from the slot. And now you put Martavis Bryant and his deep playability on the outside. So are they going to run three wide a lot? Well, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense if you're John Gruden. So That's not Gruden, it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> right. It's, 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 it's a tough situation here, and it's, you know, it's a lot of speculation so far. This is one of those ones where we might change a lot of our thinking after two weeks of the preseason. But all that being said, I think that Jordy Nelson, if I'm if it's what June 29th is today, June, yeah. June, June 29th, I will say that Jordy Nelson will have more of a locker room impact than he will football impact. Yeah, I agree with that. And I actually listen, I think Martavis Bryant is an interesting kind of sleeper because remember also last year, Jake, I mean, everyone thinking about Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree over the last couple of years has been the best Oakland Raiders wide receiver. So there's He's opportunity been the best every there. single year Cooper's been there. That's what I'm saying. So there's opportunity there for someone to be the number one wide receiver of the Oakland Raiders. And I agree with you. Jordy Nelson is washed up. It could be Martavis Bryant if they're going to be on some kind of run the ball and then go bombing over the top. I could see, see Martavis I'm Bryant conflicted. being interesting. I'm conflicted with the Cooper thing, though. Because on the one side, I do like his talent. Like, I, now, I am somebody, you can go back, who also said he was overrated from day one. Because yeah, I, I was on the, that train too, yeah. So, yeah, we were both on that. But he's still young, and I do want to see him succeed. Like, I don't ever want to see a player fail. So I want to see him finally get it all together. I want to <laughs> see him put the consistency out there. Learn to catch the ball consistently. Like, stop right. with the drops. And my biggest thing is, I, I even wrote about this last year, it's not just the drops. It's how many of them come in the red zone. And the yeah. fact was, going into last year, so this is writing about him going into 2017, 2016, he had, I remember this all the time, eight red zone targets caught one. Because wow. <laughs> I think four, I think four or five of them were contributed to drops. 
And that's the thing is, like, he has got to get that figured out, especially if you're going to talk about red zone and somebody who has a wide receiver, you want to score touchdowns. Now, on the one hand, John Gruden and this team and the talent that he has can get something out of him. Yes, he's still super young for a wide receiver that's now been in the league for three years. All that being said, on the other side is I kind of don't want him to succeed because I want to keep laughing at the people that keep drafting him at his peak every single year because he's still going in drafts inside the top 15 because now it is Gruden. It is, he is the clear number one without Crabtree and all this, and now people are still drafting. They do it every single year. It's the Devontae Parker thing. Every single year people right. keep making apologies and taking him at his peak value. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, he is young, though, and by all accounts, he's a good guy, so you want to see him do well. Maybe Jordy Nelson has some kind of impact. Maybe he can help him with his hands. I mean, that doesn't sound like something that is true or is possible, but maybe Jordy Nelson does have that kind of impact. But I agree with you. At this point last year, I was telling everybody, Crabtree greater than sign Cooper, and people were kind of laughing at me. But then the funny part, Jake, was you know I was railing against Cooper. I went crazy against Amari Cooper, and then there was that one Thursday night football against the Chiefs, I think, where he put up something like 40 fantasy points, if you remember that. He had like 200 yards and two touchdowns in one game, and boy, did the phone lines on Fantasy Freestyle light up on that Friday, because I believe it was a Thursday night football, even so much so that my guys, the Trap Game Maestros, made a rap remix of Forgot About Dre, known as Forgot Amare. I'll have to play you that at some point in time. Jake, the over-under... Like your free style from the other day oh no it's much better it's much better oh, these guys okay. used to these guys used to literally make a rap a I fantasy did. football rap remix every week and they used to use like clips from the show fantasy freestyle as like the lead-in and stuff it was really good they did one uh the weekend all the giants got injured uh like instead of all oh, my friends are dead they did like all the giants are dead they uh, did forgot amare yeah. they did um they did something for Kamara and uh, Ingram. I'll have to send you some of the clips. It's good stuff. It's I did. Good stuff. I did a, not not to that level, but I did a tweet last night because I, it just popped into my mind. Uh, Brad Evans was tweeting about the you know what it takes to win leagues and that people overrate yeah. and understand that it's like it is luck draft roster. So I, it just came to my mind immediately and I tweeted out: It's ten percent luck, twenty percent skill, fifteen percent finding competition to kill, twenty five percent transactions, thirty percent draft, and a hundred percent reason to f- winning the path. So oh, I like good. that. I like so that, good. Jake. We're going to have to do a, maybe a Roto Experts in the Morning collaboration one of these days because I see both you and I are not allowed to be into the uh, Fantasy Sports see, Network uh, mock draft that's happening on Monday live no, here I'm in, in New it. York City. Oh, you are? That's BS. Yeah, because it's part of – no, no, because I'm part of that show anyway. It's part of the uh, show that we're already doing. Yeah, got you. Yeah, not, no, they you're asked not me here. I know they asked me. I'm, I am indisposed elsewhere. You know, I got to try and earn some money, Jake. What are you going to do? All right, the Raiders. One way to potentially that I think I could earn some money is by betting on the Raiders over under. Jake, their line is eight and a half wins. I got to take the under on this one. I do not believe in John Gruden. Don't forget, this team has a bottom 10 defense, in my opinion. And this AFC West, you know, you got a lot of competitive teams. The Chiefs are kind of going to be there. I know you and I both like the Chargers. We can see the Broncos maybe being kind of a, a 500 team as well. I actually think the Raiders have a good chance of finishing in last place in this division, Jake. And when I see a team that I think is going to finish last place and they have an over-under, 
of eight and a half. It's very similar to what I said with you about the Detroit Lions, that I think the Lions could finish last place in the NFC North, and their overrunder was at the same level. Jake, I'm going over right now to mybookie.ag. I'm putting a couple of shekels on the Raiders at under eight and a half. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm taking the under on this one, too. It, right? I mean, like, how yeah. do they – I don't see them going 9-7 and seven with the first-year coach who's still in the caveman days. Well, I'll also talk about the division, which I know we'll do next week with the rest yeah. of them. But uh, I'll talk about the fact that I, you know this. I, mm-hmm. My Super Bowl I've already put out there. I'll continue to say it because I kind of already spoiled it anyway. But I have the Saints and the Chargers in the Super Bowl, and I don't think the Chiefs are just going to fall off the map after winning right. that division at 10-6 and six last year. So you have the Chargers and the Chiefs. Well, mm-hmm. where are the Raiders going to be with those two? If I believe in both of those two teams, and I think the Broncos are going to play better than they did last year at five and eleven. With now they have Case Keenum and their defense is healthy again, so I just I don't see a path to the Raiders even going five hundred. So I would definitely bet the under on this. Yeah, this is definitely an under that both Jake and the Spitting Statistician both kind of agree on. Jake, it seems like we both see the AFC West kind of the same. I am also high on the Chargers. I'll tell you exactly how high a little bit next week. I agree that the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs kind of take maybe a small step back given the development of Patty Mahomes and all that, how they're kind of turning it over. But like you said, I don't think they fall off the face of the earth, right? I think they could still be a fringe contender, be an eight or nine win team still. And then with the Broncos, I agree. Listen, I think they're kind of a, a middling team. We'll see what Case Keenum does. I can see them going 7-9, and nine, you know, something like that, 6-10 and 10 very easily. And I think the wheels could fall off for the Raiders in their last year in the Bay. I mean, listen, at 8.5, I would have taken the under at 7.5, Jake. I would have probably taken the under at 7 as well. I can see the Raiders winning five or six games this year. So if you agree with Jake and if you agree with Speeds, go on over to mybookie.ag. Uh, enter the promo code FNTSY Fantasy. You will get a fifty percent deposit bonus. All right, Jake. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, a couple of things. One, you you were like, "What day is it? What day is it? It is Friday, June 29th, Jake. As you know, today is the day that we expect to hear word from LeBron James about opting in or opting out of his contract, and and then kind of like the first domino to fall for this NBA offseason. I want to ask you a couple of things real quick. One, remember I told you, Jake, that the odds for the Cleveland Cavaliers right now are like 30 to 1 for next year's NBA championship. Is there any value to buying a ticket right now today for that? Because if LeBron says that he's going to stay in Cleveland and opt in, those odds are going to zoom all the way down to something like 5 to 1. There's value here, and you could then hedge afterwards. What do you think about that? Trying to maybe speculate that he stays and get a ticket of Cleveland of 30 to 1. Yeah, I definitely think there is because I continue to I think there's only two legitimate possibilities. And so one of them is Cleveland. So he stays. So I would definitely do that with your thought process of, you know, even even if you want to do that and then sell your ticket off based right. on the value Top that swap, you're going to get. Like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, just that's a smart strategy, too, if you just want to stick around for that. So, you know, obviously, if he doesn't, you're almost pretty much throwing that money away. You might as well hold on to the 30 to 1 in case yeah. something hold else happens. Hold on to it, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. Or maybe you can, you convince somebody to take it off your hands for a little bit less than 80 cents on the right. dollar or something like that. But at the same time, to your point, there's potential real return there. And there's potential real return to my, – my biggest point is, again, to go back to the pick swap, is that you might be able to just make money off it and not even have mm-hmm. to write it out. 
Yeah, you can be an investor in the company and not necessarily uh, have to wait for the exit event in order to get your cash. Listen, with PropSwap, you don't even have to have the event happen, right? All you got to do is find someone out there who's willing to take it from your hands at value. And I'm telling you right now, because honestly, Jake, I don't even if LeBron stays, I don't think they're winning the NBA championship. I think the world, nope. the road comes out west anyway, you know, unless something crazy happens, like the Warriors decide that the time is now to move on from Clay Thompson or something like that. No, you know, no, we'll, we'll see. One, even that, even they could have. There's, here's the only way: if he goes back to Cleveland. Durant. No, if so, if Cleveland adds something, if right. Paul George, but they, I don't think they can. And that's the yeah, problem. Is I, I don't think the Cavaliers, excuse me, have any way to add something like that. They would need to have the exact team they did right. last year, including Kevin Love, including mm-hmm. uh, but Isaiah Thomas has gone. Well, actually, Isaiah Thomas is a free agent, isn't he? So maybe they yeah, can but they clearly don't think he's a fit with LeBron James. No, no, no. I just meant maybe there's a way they can get around bringing back gotcha. bringing in somebody like Paul George. If yeah, you, if you gave me LeBron, Paul George, and Kevin Love, uh, again, I would still take the Warriors, but I think now you have a funny right. chance. Right. Or, like, there's the off chance, I guess, that their number eight overall pick, Colin Sexton, like, becomes, you know, becomes the rookie of the year. And it's Donovan Mitchell all of a sudden. Oh, or plus Steph his Curry, wonderful you know. speech during the draft, you know. Let's do this, man. Come let's on, do man. This. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's Maybe do this. Come on, man. Let's... Oh, okay. Thanks. I just needed somebody to tell me, let's do this. Right, that that right, because LeBron isn't motivated enough. You know, <laughs> LeBron isn't worried about legacy enough. But no, 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 Colin Sexton is the one who's going to light a fire under yeah. him. But I digress. Hey, Jake, you said there was only two places he can go. You said Cleveland is one of them. I'm going to assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that you think the Los Angeles Lakers are the other place he can go. And if that's if that's the case, I've heard people also uh, talk about the Houston Rockets as a as a basketball decision, right? Like if he wants to, if what his primary motivation is is not to build his brand in LA and not to have his kids you know stay in that house and go to school out there um but if his primary motivation is to win another championship like and dethrone the Warriors a lot of people are saying that Houston would be a good fit for basketball reasons what do you think why is that like not in the running for you because he hates Houston Mm-hmm. We already got we got Chris Paul came out and even said it himself. If Chris Paul is trying to campaign to get LeBron to come there, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not going to go out there and say, "Hey, guess what? He hates it here." So the fact is, is there's only two solutions, and you, there's plenty of basketball decisions he could make. Houston would be a basketball decision, and you know they'd have to figure out how to have three ball hogs right. to a degree, or actually, people who are better with the ball in their hand playing together, but they already made it work with two of them, with Chris Paul and James mm-hmm. Harden. But a basketball decision will also go to the Sixers, and now you're not only in the East still and avoid right. the Warriors until you get to the finals, but you're on a loaded team from top to bottom. Like That team would honestly think, I think they might be the favorites if you went there over the Warriors. Another basketball decision that nobody talks about because he's never going there? Boston? Or the Utah Jazz. No, the Utah, Utah Jazz. You look in the Utah Jazz roster with that roster, and you put LeBron on it. That's a threat to the Warriors. Yeah. So there's plenty of basketball decisions, but he's not going to Utah. He's not. He hates right. Houston. He's told everybody that, and Chris Paul admitted it. So the option is stay in Cleveland or go where your kids are going to school, and someplace you already have two houses in Los right. Angeles, and figure yeah, out how that- to get Le- like Paul George there with you. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, basketball decisions, like places he won't go, but I think could be interesting. Imagine him teamed up with guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, also in Portland, um, is, is also interesting to me. But I digress. I agree with you. And we'll keep it locked here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network when we hear those uh, decisions from LeBron. Jake, we've got to finish it up with Roto Cleo. Jake, 
man, I can't gain on you. We both get wins. I get one out of McCullers. You get one out of Grinky. You decide, we both decide to go Eric Thames. And in fact, he does go yard. So we both get credit for that. You still have got a nine-point working margin for me. I'm telling you right now, Jake, I know how much you like to attack your boy Sal Romano. Right. And I love how they're I'm still in the great tonight. Well, I certainly am. They're in the great American small park. It's Sal Romano. I was thinking about again? I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. I'll go with a different left handed hitter. Give me Travis Shaw today to go yard. And your pitcher, my pitcher. Listen, I'm going to go chalk. I'm sorry, Jake. I'm telling you right now. I'm going chalk. Give me uh, who I think may be a member of the Yankees before the month is done. Uh, give me Jacob DeGrom. Okay. All right, I'm going to go to Guam uh, and I'm going Travis Shaw today. I've got to catch uh, up go- to you, brother man. I'm going Trevor Bauer for the win against the Athletics. Who's also uh, chalky? It's not Garrett Cole chalky. So, Fair. And then for the homer, Javier Baez over Jose Berrios. I like that. He has been hot. He's on one of my teams. I've been seeing that. He's killing it lately. Javi Baez, shout out to him. Hey, Jake, have a great weekend. I'm not here on Monday. You and Scott will have to battle it out. Have a great weekend. We talk more AFC West when I come back. Carton and Friends is up next. This is Roto Experts in the morning. Have a great weekend, everybody. Spin Statistician, all in kid. We out.